Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. I have wrestled with this message, gosh, weeks now. I've put it off, I've squirmed and, and begged and, you know, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to do this and, because I don't like to do this. And, and yet, God has confirmed over and over again that this is his word for this body. Um, when we put in this stage uh, carpet this time, uh, we recarpeted this entire room and just before the guys came in to, because uh, they pulled up the carpet one day and then they installed it the next. And just before they came in to install, I took a giant Sharpie permanent marker and I went all over the church and I wrote scripture. So there's scripture. You might be sitting on scripture. Who knows? But right here, I wrote out the scripture, Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11, which says, the NHB version, uh, I think it's pretty close to the NIV, but it says, As the rain and snow come down from heaven and water the earth, producing seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so my word that goes forth from my mouth will not return to me void, but will accomplish that for which I sent it forth. It's right, all that's written right here. I stand on it every week. Mark and, and, and uh, what's that Russian guy's name? Dennis? Yeah. Um, well, he really busted my chops last week about my humor, so... And then he runs away to Cincinnati to preach this week because he knows I was going to pay him back. So anyway, he's in Cincinnati supposedly preaching. I think he's just hiding from me this week. But anyway. But we stand on the word. We stand on that word literally every week. And so uh, this morning in, in prayer, I went down for prayer. I always like to get prayed for, uh, you know, as, as we're um, getting ready for the service. And, and I just, I love to be prayed for, for God's anointing and... and uh, it just feels good for people to lay hand on, hands on me and just pray for the message. And as Linda Fry and Nancy Hawk prayed, they, their prayers were like confirmation that this is the word for the morning. So I make no apology for sharing. I, I will say this. I only talk about this about once every three years. And I'm supposed to, according to church growth experts and all this, I'm supposed to talk about it three times a year. I'm not going to do that and... Uh, we have some new folks among us. You got to know that this is not a normal Sunday morning. This is not a no- normal message, but it's important because it's God's word. So, can I use the uh, slide advance here? I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm going to give it a shot. So, hey, hey, it's working. So, whoa, where to go? It's shy. Why tithe? Why tithe? I'm going to go back to the the. Uh, the original screen here, a key principle in biblical giving. So tithing is giving, but giving is not necessarily tithing. And uh, I want to talk about, uh, and I'm going to pray here again in a moment, but uh, why tithe? Uh, Why give at all? Um, In 2 Corinthians 8, 7, it says this, Just as you excel in everything else, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, 
See that you also excel in the grace of giving. The grace of giving. We are to be givers. We have a giving God. You know that? We have a giving God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. He gave his son so that you can have life. We talked about that during communion this morning. So, as I said, tithing is giving, but giving is not necessarily tithing. Uh, in fact, I've, I've, I've had people tell me, uh, Neil, I've, I've decided I'm going to tithe 5%. Uh, that's, that's an oxymoron, actually, because I want to explain what tithing is. What is a tithe? Well, a tithe is literally a tenth part of your wealth, harvest, or income. The, the word tithe means tenth part. Um, it also, I believe, I can't advance this, so you're going to have to do it for me, sorry. A tithe is arguably the first tenth of one's wealth, harvest, or income. It's, uh, and, and, and I believe with all my heart it means gross income. Gross as in like what you make totally, not weird. And, oh, that's awful. Oh, I make gross income. No, it means, you know, like the whole thing. You know, uh, I, one of the best teachings I've ever heard on tithing was uh, the pastor out at Saddleback, um, Rick Warren. And he says, uh, when talking about tithing, he says, we give the government their part off the gross. Why would we give the Lord less? And so go ahead and advance. Um, well, go back. It should, there should be one more. Is there another line? Oh, there it is. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of your income, and he will fill your barns to overflowing. I want, to note, I want you to notice two things here. It says first part. Honor the Lord with giving the first part. We don't give God the leftovers. The way that, that I do that, because I, I get a salary that's taken out or, or given through the church, and we have a, a company that does our, our, our uh, paychecks, I just have my tithe taken right out of the gross and go right into my check. I never see that money. It goes right into, like, the, I think they send a check to the church through the bank. And I would really encourage you to do that because you don't even have to think about, oh, you know, do I have enough money this time to, 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 to give God 10%? That, that thought never crosses my mind because, number one, I know how important it is. When Deb and I first got married, <laughs> we had agreed to tithe. And, uh, and so uh, we had been tithing for about nine months, and we had a really, like, like a, a really lean uh, month and we decided not to give the tithe that month which was a stupid idea we had an appliance go out and a car need repair that month and so anything that we would have gained by not tithing was probably triply lost and, and I think as a pastor the Lord was basically saying that's not okay you don't do this, you don't teach your people not to do this uh, you, you need to ante up and, 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 and set an example and so, uh, worst month we, I think, financially in our marriage was the month we decided not to tithe. But I don't think the Lord's going to punish you for not tithing. I'm not saying that. But he disciplined us because we're leaders, and I think that he requires that of us. So, I wanna, the, the second thing I want to I point out, and it's in almost every scripture about giving and about tithing, is 
that there's a promise that goes with it. Do you see the promise there, that last line? What does it say? He will fill your barns to overflowing. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to be generous. He wants you to support where you are worshiping. We're going to see that really clearly as we go into some of these scriptures about about giving to the temple, so to speak, the temple worship and that sort of thing. That was, that was kind of the church. That was the place to give to for the Jewish people. And, and incidentally, let me just say this right up front. The Jewish people were raised up as the people of God to show the people on this earth how they're to relate to their God. And one of the key principles, and it is a, not a law, it's a principle in Old Testament Scripture, and it carries over into the New Testament is that the rule of thumb for giving, and I know that Mark said there's other you know, tithes and offerings and that sort of thing that the Jew, Jews gave, but the, the first 10%, the first part, went to the Lord straight out. So is this, let me see if this is working. There we go. So five benefits, why does God want me to tithe? Five benefits to my life, all right? Now it's not working. Go ahead and advance it. Okay, so tithing is not optional. It's a command. I don't like that. I struggled even writing that line out for a PowerPoint. I'm like, why do I have to talk about commands, Lord? The people in the United States don't like to be commanded. They just don't. They don't like to be told what to do. You tell an American what to do, they'll do just the opposite most of the time. Tithing, is, it strengthens my faith. We're going to talk about that. Go ahead. Tithing is an investment for eternity. It really is. Keep going. Tithing blesses me in return. Every time there's a promise, almost with every scripture about giving, there's a promise. And in tithing is authentically Christian. It's authentically Christian. We're going to see that. Go ahead to the first slide. Next slide. I'm sorry. Giving is not optional. It's a command. Let's look at this. Command those who... Now this is New Testament. This is Paul talking. Command those who are rich in this present world, not to put hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Do you know that God wants to bless you and enrich you and, 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 and help you enjoy life? I think so many Christians think that God wants us to be miserable. And it's not true. He is a good papa. He's a good, good father. He wants us to have good things. He wants us to enjoy things. Let's go to the next slide. So it says, and I'm only obeying what the Lord has said here, okay? So blame him, okay? Command them to be generous and willing to share. Be generous and willing to share. Okay, I did it. I did my duty. In this way, they may take hold of the life that is truly life. There's that promise again. If you are generous and willing to share... You will take hold of life, true life. That's why I'm okay with sharing this message. Because it's going to bless you ultimately. If you obey the Lord, you will always be blessed. It's when we disobey that we're not blessed, that we run into problems. We, we sang a song this morning about being overtaken by God's goodness. In the book of Deuteronomy, as the people of Israel are about to enter the land of Canaan... Um, they actually, it's after they enter the land of Canaan, just before Moses dies. They stand on two hills opposite each other, and they read the blessings and the curses of what God will do, depending on what they do. And in the curses, it says, if we disobey this law, 
If we turn away from God, if we serve the, the gods of the Canaanites and we and forsake our God and disobey Him, then all these curses will come upon us. And they just recite them. And it's horrible. This, this is a list that you don't want to be a part of. I mean, horrible stuff. But on the other hand, on the other side, of, on the other mountain facing the other half of the, of the, of the people of Israel as they, after they entered the land of Canaan, they pronounced the blessings on the people of Israel if they would obey the Lord and follow Him and not follow false gods and obey His commands. One of the things it says is that all these blessings will overtake you. It's like as we obey the Lord and we do His will, God's blessings are running, chasing us down and will eventually overtake us. It's like a a friendly bear that's chasing you through the woods. You can't outrun it, you know, and eventually it just jumps on you and grabs you. But it's, it's God's blessings. It's the blessing bear, okay? <laughs> too, bad, too bad Dennis wasn't here to hear you laugh at that. But anyway, tithing is not optional. It's a command. God says, will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you ask, how do we rob you? God says, in tithes and offerings. Bring the whole tithe to my house. Where is God's house for you? It's where you worship. It's your place of worship. It's where ministry happens. It's where you gather to, to do this. It's where, it's where you gather. Uh, it's where men's group gathers. It's where our small groups gather so much of the time. It's where you know, we use this as a springboard to, to bless our community. And so, so much of blessing our community is when you give to us and we give to the local ministries and we give to missionaries. So much of that flows out of this house. And so it's not optional, guys. It's a command. And God says, if you don't tithe, you're robbing me. I believe tithing is a biblical principle, not just an Old Testament law. It's a rule of thumb. It's like, okay, if, if, if God didn't tell us what to do, how would we know how much to give? What, what, what if we thought, oh, man, maybe I'm supposed to give half my income to the Lord? By the way, I know someone who does that, has been doing it all her life, all, all her adult life. She grew up in a Christian home. Uh, she has two brothers who are pastors. She has given away 50% of her income her entire adult life. She got to the end of her, her uh, work life and to retire, and her financial advisor says, you have enough money to do whatever you want to do for the rest of your life. She's taken trips. She took, she, she's been all over the place. And uh, her house is paid for. Uh, she has no financial problems at all and travels a lot. And she still, to this day, she's in her, I think, late 70s. She still gives to the Lord half of, half of what she makes from her retirement check. She's never, not only has she not missed it, she's flourished under that. So I'm telling you guys, uh, this, stuff is, this stuff is real. Let's go to the next slide. Tithing strengthens my faith. Let's look at the scripture here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And then just four verses later, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of your income and he will fill your barns to overflowing. It doesn't make sense to give away part of my income. 
But the Lord says really clearly in so many ways, in so many scriptures, you will do much better to try to live on 90% of your income than 100%. You will do better. If you have experienced that, if you have tithe and experience that you've lived better on 90% than 100%, would you just stand? Just stand up if you've, if you've experienced that. This is the truth, guys. Thank you. You can sit down now. It's the truth. It's the truth. When we trust the Lord and we, when we step out in faith and, and, and obey his promises, the, the blessing bearer will overtake you. I promise. Let's go to the next slide. Things, uh, tithing is an investment for eternity. Would you stand up if this church has had a significant impact in your life in some way? All right, just, just keep standing. Would you stand if this church has had an, inter- an eternal impact on you or someone you know? Okay, same folks are standing. Look at this, look around. This church has impacted Many, many people. You can sit down now. Let me just tell you how this church has impacted me. I came here, I came to this church in a little white Subaru. I was living in a, in a, a uh, renting a, a house on uh, on North Yellow Spring Street, right across from where the hospital is now. I put everything I owned in a Subaru when I left seminary and moved here. I was a jail chaplain for the first year in town. Um, had no family. Had no. Uh, I mean, seriously, I had no family. My, fam- my, my family lived in Louisiana at the time. So you can imagine how far away I am from my immediate family. My sister and my, my parents were living there. My brother was living in like Biloxi, Mississippi. And here I am in Springfield, Ohio. No, nobody. Uh, the first uh, several months in town, uh, there was a pastor in New Carlisle that had, uh, had some kind of horrible um, medical condition and couldn't pastor his church for a while. So I basically went week after week after week to New Carlisle and filled in for him as a preacher. I had met Phil Shank, who was the pastor of this church at the time, but I'd never been to this church until, I think it was the 17th of September, 1987. Most of you weren't born at that point. But I uh, preached my very first sermon. But I remember when I walked through the door of the church, and it was across from Lynn's office, that door, that front door, office door. Walked through the door, and a couple uh, in their 70s, Milton and Jane Divert, some of you know them, remember them, met me at the door and gave me a hug. And somehow I just knew I was home. I just, I just, you know, I'd been in a, I had been in a lot of church. I, you know, the New Carlisle Church. I mean, I was there a lot, but I was also in a lot of other churches. Visited a lot of churches, some big churches. But when I walked in the door of this church, I knew I was home. I just, I just sensed it in my spirit. It was like, this is where I belong. And then Phil asked me if I would be his associate pastor, and I prayed about it, and uh, 
I said, yes, I preached here a couple times. This church didn't know me, and yet there was a unanimous vote in, in January of 1988 to make me associate pastor. And so in June of 1988, I became associate pastor of this church. Seminary grad, knew everything there was to know. I knew everything. I can tell you right now, I don't know nearly as much now as I did then. Two years later, there was this uh, teacher from Emerson Elementary that uh, came and visited our church for the first time. I had been warned that she was coming by a matchmaker worship leader we had at the time. I wasn't interested until I saw her. (laughs) And then I was really interested because she was beautiful. And I preached that morning. I only preached once a month, but I happened to be preaching that morning as God would have it. And uh, the matchmaking worship leader brought this young lady up to meet me, and we had our very first conversation in the uh, what's now the kids' time room. I can show you the spot where I met Deb for the first time. I can show you the spot where I saw her for the first time. They're only like 15 feet apart. <laughs> I broke every rule about, you know, church leadership, not talking and asking out somebody that visits your church. Caught her that night, asked her out for the next night. And uh, we went to dinner, fell in love with her that night, really. And uh, asked her out the next night for the next weekend, and the rest is history. Fast forward three years, and in this spot right here, we dedicated. My son was. I got pictures. They're still in my phone, by the way. I didn't delete those. (laughs) My fox wife was holding my baby boy. She was a fox, trust me. And and we dedicated him to the Lord that morning, standing right in the spot. Phil was standing right there. And along with his best man was being held by his parents, the Sturzenbachs. Zach Sturzenbach was Wes's best man in his wedding. They were both dedicated in the same morning. Two years later, we had, uh, three years later, we had our daughter, Lindsay. They grew up in this church. They, um, they experienced love and life, fellowship, and my son, Wes, began to lead worship in youth group as a teenager. But he would go home on Sunday mornings when he was a little I got a picture of this too. You stand up on a couch with a with a with this podium and a Mr. Microphone with a guitar that I'd made him out of wood on my scroll saw. And he made my daughter, you know, play some kind of instrument as he led worship. Standing on the couch. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? And uh and so but he learned to worship here and he learned how to lead worship and then somehow People had enough foresight to let him come from youth group up on stage and actually play the guitar up here, you know, kind of a backup guitar. But he just fell in love with worship. He fell in love with the Lord. He fell in love with the church. And so did my daughter. And uh, last August when, I mean last uh, May when I I popped the question to Wes, he was at a, a large church up in East Canton. He'd been there three years. 
But he and Lily felt like it was time to leave. They weren't sure where they were to go. And the Lord spoke to me as I was mowing the grass one day in May about maybe asking him if he'd come back. Talk to the elders. He said, man, yeah, let's do it. Prophetically, Phil Shank had said, you need to hire an associate that is a young person so you can begin to grow again. Knew that was important. And so when I asked Wes if he would consider coming back, he's like, Dad, that's all I've ever wanted to do. Come back to our church and work with you. My, associate, or my area pastor coordinator in the vineyard, I met with him in uh, July, and I told him that story. He started crying. He said, I've been involved in pastoral ministry for 40 years, and I've been involved in overseeing pastors for 40 years. I've never heard a pastor's son say to his father, all I've ever wanted to do is come back to my home church that I grew up in and work with my dad. He said, that's ridiculous. That doesn't happen. And yet that's the kind of church this is. That's the kind of impact you've had on my family. My daughter works full-time for a vineyard church in central Illinois, in Urbana, Illinois. Full-time. Both of them working for the Lord in the church. That's the kind of church you've been. It wasn't just us. Deb and I, you know, we, we tried to be good parents. We tried to model things like tithing, things like worship, things like being regular in church. You know, I had to be every, every Sunday, but I would have been anyway because I love this church. But my kids love this church. That's, that's on you. That's the kind of church you've been. So you've had a, an eternal impact on my children, and I want to say thank you for that. Let's go to the next slide, please. Giving blesses me in return. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will be returned to you in full. Press down, shaken together, make room for more, running over, to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Those are Jesus' words. I don't apologize for that. That's what Jesus said. That's the NLT, by the way. Really good translation. Give and you'll receive. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. You cannot outgive God. You just can't do it. Let's go to the next slide. Bring your whole tithe to the storehouse. Test me in this, the Lord said. The only place in Scripture says test me. Says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, and I will pour out so much blessing that you won't have room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and I will protect the vines in your fields from plagues. Look at those four promises. You bring the tithe, and I will throw open the floodgates. I will pour out so much blessing you can't have room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. I will protect your vines from plagues. Guys, if you will tithe, if you will bring that first part to the Lord, he will keep his promises. It will bless you in return. Let's go to the next slide. Tithing is authentically Christian. A lot of people think, oh, that's part of the old law. No, it's a principle. It's a principle. He gets the first stuff, the first fruits. Jesus says this, and this is Jesus now and, and, and this is New Covenant stuff, New Testament stuff. You teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. 
For you, for you are careful to tithe even the, fine, the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, like justice and mercy and faith. And then he says this, you should tithe. Jesus said that. You should tithe, yes. But do not neglect the more important things. Tithing is just a jumping off place, guys. It's just a place to start. But then there's compassion and mercy. And get, By the way, this church gave at Christmas, very generously in these boxes back here, that's gifts to the poor. And um, there's a person whose furnace went out. And we're able to, I mean, we're talking about February, guys. It's really cold right now. And out of that, we're able to pay for the furnace to be repaired. Praise God. You did that, by the way, in your generosity. But that's above the tithe. Those are offerings. Let's go to the next one. Authentically Christian. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Okay, this is the place of worship. Many rich people threw large amounts, threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came along and put two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Now check this out. Jesus says, calls his disciples and, hey guys, come here, you got to see this. Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. Put in everything, all she had to live on. And then he adds this, how crazy is she? How foolish is that? That is ridiculous to give the church all your money. That is just absolutely asinine. By the way, that's, that's not in there. No, he tells his disciples, look at this, look at this. Look at the faith this woman has. Look at how much she trusts the Lord. Look, look at how much she's sacrificing to give everything she had to live on to, to the house of worship. There's a story about a chicken and a pig that were talking in the farmyard one day. And the chicken said to the pig, I just love breakfast. I just love breakfast. It's just such a great time of the morning. You smell that, smell that food cooking. It's just so great. Pig said to the, to the chicken, yeah. Yeah, I guess you would think that. Because you just have to make a contribution. I have to make a commitment. Do I need to explain that? one of my better jokes in a while commitment is costly this woman gave everything she had she had to make a commitment Jesus said she gave more than all the other people you've heard the promises the, the, the Israelites standing on the, the mountain of blessing are saying to you obey the Lord and the bear blessing will overtake you at some point the blessing, blessing bear sorry will overtake you. Be obedient. You can't lose. The Lord promises you can't outgive him. Give and it will be given to you. Press down, shaking together, together pouring over to pour into your lap. 
He will not allow us to outgive him. He just won't do it. He is a generous God. And when he sees our generosity, it touches his heart and he pours out more so that we can be more generous. And the more we give, the more we receive. And the more we receive, the more we should give. It should be a perpetual increase. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.